Welcome to Listener, a crew podcast. I'm your host, Sam Holland. Today's guest is Marilette Sanchez. Marilette and her husband work for crew in New York City. New York City natives and college sweethearts, they're known for their transparency and their ability to inject their love of hip hop and pop culture into their discussions of love and marriage. They currently minister alongside families in the Brooklyn area. Enjoy the show. So Marilette, let's jump right in. Will you tell us about that day in the summer of 2011 when you and your fiance Moses were discussing what you call your career clash? <laughs> I remember that quite well. Um, yeah, I remember being in Colorado, just sitting under the shade of the trees and just feeling this tension between me and him. Um, he had already knew that he was supposed to join crew and he actually had been an intern for two years already. Um, and so, and I was just getting started in my career with journalism and, um, just media. I had all these different internships throughout college and I just, I felt called to be in the media and I was so confused as to why (laughs) we would clash like this. Um, I felt like I prayed hard about like my career choice and he, he as well. Um, but for some reason I just... You know, my my training from Chick Flicks was, you know, when you meet your soulmate, everything was supposed to click. And that's not what it felt like. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So it was just this confusing time for me. But um, I just remember um, feeling this nudge to at least um, to do the application for crew. And I just felt like, OK, this is my way of being obedient. I still don't understand, but let me be obedient. And so I did the application for crew. I did the interviews. And by that time, I had been praying and agonizing and um, just listening to advice from counsel from friends and mentors. And by that time, I felt like I got that little nudge, little quiet voice that said, follow your husband. And for me, that meant joining crew, Um, despite my feelings not being (laughs) as excited as he was to join crew. um, I felt like I had to do it as out of obedience. So, Mm -hmm. I mean... I just appreciate your story because I've, I had a similar experience marrying onto staff when I was in my late 20s. And so mid-career, mm-hmm. I didn't have any experience with crew as a student. And so it was all based on my husband's call. And here I am 18 years later, <laughs> having found, you know, lots of ministry opportunities along the way. But at first, it was very much like, gosh, I... I never imagined this for my life. But tell Mm -hmm. me, how did you and Moses meet in the first place? So we met doing high school ministry with crew. (laughs) It was called Student Venture then. And I was just volunteering. And so like, I think I had this compartmentalized view of like, this is my career and this is ministry. I never thought that vocational ministry was even a thing. I I wasn't exposed to that. And like you said, I wasn't really exposed to crew. I went to a Christian college. um, And so... they didn't necessarily need crew on campus. So all I had was this volunteer opportunity to reach out to high school school students um, as a college student. So that's how we met, was doing ministry together. In New York City? In New York City, yep, in Manhattan. And I know until recently, that's what you still have been doing for the past 10 years. New York City, you were... um, leading after-school discussion groups and doing 
ministry with students in New York City, but you've recently switched over to family life. Yes. Is that right? Mm -hmm. That's correct. So yeah, we're kind of in the beginning stages, um, pioneering stage of doing things with family life, but we just felt like it was a natural transition for us. Like a lot of the high school students that we were mentoring and stayed in touch with, now they were having families. They were newly married and we were having to mentor them through like, you know, as young couples. So it just felt more natural. And then, you know, we have five kids. We didn't mention that yet. I have, we have five kids. So it was just a natural thing for us to just be at a park and start a conversation with, you know, some other families. And hopefully that leads to spiritual conversations. So. Wow. That does sound like it just like an organic, um, growth of you just continuing to live life alongside these students who are now starting their own families. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if five children was always part of your life plan, but I do know that <laughs> you had goals back when your careers were clashing. Your life goal was to be an entertainment magazine writer. Is that right? I did. That was my big dream. So I think for me, I had always like loved watching the VH1 behind the scenes and like all these biopics. That was like what I did in my free time. And when I became a Christian, that turned into like really praying for these celebrities because they were here on these pedestals and I don't, I didn't know of anybody else that was praying for them. And so that was kind of like a secret, like ministry that I had was praying for celebrities. But as I got involved, more involved with, um, taking media classes at college and doing internships, I just realized how much of an opportunity it was to, to be there with them and um, to interview them. I wanted to be like, you know, interviewing them and hopefully like off screen, um, be able to befriend them. So that was my big dream to, to be able to introduce them to Jesus. And then another thing was I did always have this heart for youth ministry, but they looked up to these celebrities who were also broken themselves. And I wanted to like, show the, I just wanted to be in that, um, the world, um, to be able to call out the, the falsehoods that like fame is in everything, um, money is in everything. Um, so it was kind of a twofold thing, reach out mm-hmm. to celebrities and then also, um, reach out to t- young people. Wow. That's a really cool dream. And I know one of the celebrities that you mentioned on your website is Justin Bieber, who yes. I've also prayed for him a ton because I've watched the movie about his life, Never Say mm-hmm. Never. And, you know, I knew he came from Christian roots and then was struggling a lot once he rose to fame. But are, do you still follow him? He's I do. <laughs> following yeah. Jesus again. Yeah, exactly. Your prayers worked. Uh, I feel that like I remember when he was I don't remember how old he was maybe 18 but he was like arrested for a DUI and like just like at the bottom and I remember just like agonizing in prayer I remember this clearly because I was pregnant with my second (laughs) and I was like sleepless at night and that's what I did was I was praying for him so it really does feel like that it feels like a personal answer to prayer Mm -hmm. it is a funny thing about our culture I mean I've followed the Kardashian family for a long time um, Mm -hmm. since they've had a show and been in the spotlight. And when you follow these influencers and these celebrities, you start to feel like you know them and you do start to feel this um, desire for their well-being and their wholeness like you would a friend. Mm -hmm. So I've Mm -hmm. prayed tons for the Kardashians because I feel like I know them. 
and I care about their, them to some extent, they mm-hmm. too have had Bible studies, Christian influences popping up in their show, in their lives, yeah. different pastors and things. So I always thought, wow, we really, we really are all connected. It's not just yeah. this um, prayer going out into the void and not yeah. returning, you know? That's true. That's encouraging to hear because I just remember being in college and like sharing it with like a few few close friends that I was even doing this because for the most part when I was around people it was celebrity gossip like it's like let's make fun of the celebrity like they asked for it so I don't meet too many people I mean now there have been more but too many people that actually truthfully pray for them well it's it's like they're human beings and they fame is a very heavy burden to carry Mm -hmm. and I think watching people walk through that it it totally strips away all the glamour from that lifestyle when you see oh this is actually what it's costing them yeah to have this fame and this power so yeah yes okay um let's circle back you referenced um you said when you became a christian but can you tell us more of that story how did you become a christian yes so i grew up in a christian home Grew up going to church every every week. Like, if you felt a little under the weather, you you still went to church. That's just the way I grew up. Um, my parents were actually Catholic. They I don't like to say converted, but they switched to Protestant Christianity before I was born, and they met at a Bible study. Um, so I, that's just the what I grew up around. Um, but it wasn't until I was fifteen I experienced my first heartbreak <laughs> that I really felt like a need for God. I felt like I had a lot of pride. I had a lot of like, I was holier than thou. I, I had that kind of attitude. And when I was 15, going through my first heartbreak, I, I realized my need for a God. And uh, I came across Romans 5.18, which is, um, wow, I'm blanking. <laughs> but Oh, but God demonstrated. <laughs> I'm like, this is my life first. Why am I forgetting? But God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so I feel like all my pride, all of the things that I was holding up as like, well, look at me, God, I deserve your love. Um, it just came to a head when I, when I was heartbroken and I felt alone and like there was that pride was not holding me up anymore. And so, yeah, I was 15. And I think that's a big reason why I did youth ministry for so long. It was like, I was at that age. I remember that time where I just was searching for God, searching for meaning. So. Mm-hmm. You also said that when you were in this, you know, tension where you had these dreams and goals, but you also loved Moses, wanted to marry him, you said, God seemed to be opening doors for me. And then, yeah. it, you know, you, and then you felt angry. God, why would you tease me by allowing me to progress in my career and then just to pull the rug out from under me? And I just, oh, I've... I, I know that feeling. Can you tell us more about that struggle you were going through? Yeah, so I had done a couple internships. One was with a fashion magazine. One was um, with a like a television company um, that does, they did a lot of like um, reality TV right in Manhattan. Um, I was able to do the, I was basically the whole marketing team of this up and coming uh, board game company. Like she just entrusted me to do all their social media Um so I had all these different opportunities that were, um, yeah, just coming up. 
but this was the thing when I, after I graduated, I don't know if I mentioned this in the article, but after I graduated college, I could not find a job. (laughs) So it was kind of like, I think God was humbling me a little bit like, okay, I gave you these training grounds, but don't, don't think like you did it on your own. Um, So that was the time that the the stuff was happening with, with Moses was, I also could not find a job out of college. So (laughs) you left that detail out. I did. So God works in mysterious ways, doesn't he? He does. He does. But it still felt like I, yeah, I, it still felt like this was the, the game plan, like in terms of like, this is the career path, but yeah, it, it all came to a head with, with the Moses Mm -hmm. um, thing. So, so let's talk about your blog. I've looked at it a little bit. I was wondering, um, how has your blog allowed you to still pursue some of these pieces of your calling, but just in a different way? Yeah, I mean, for one, the flexibility of it is, you know, something that I would not get as if I was a journalist and they would like own my schedule if I was a journalist. And as a mom, like the fact that I can do it on my own time, that's just a huge thing because I do value being a mom. It was always in the plans to be a mom, but I don't think that the timing of everything was necessarily like I became a mom right away when we got married. Um, but I see, I see now just God's sovereignty in that, that, um, if I were to pursue, if I were to seriously pursue the journalism thing, it would have been hard to do that as a mom. So, um, but being able to just be vocal about my faith is something that I really value. Like, I think I I wanted to be in mainstream media so that I could meet celebrities, but I don't think I would have been able to have a voice as much about my faith if I, if I were to do that, I'm sure I'd have to put that on the back burner. So yeah, I think, for me, um, this really hit the, hit the, um, just a nail on the head of, I want to, I want this to be an outlet for me to do youth ministry. I think that's kind of how it started out. It's like, I would write articles because instead of just like telling the youth, like what I thought about this movie or that celebrity, like I'll just write it out and send them the link. That's kind of how I started, you know, my blog for, um, and yeah, since then it's just grown. So I'm really grateful. Mm-hmm. So fun. Now, I know you mentioned the having a blog it has given you the flexibility to be a mom. I know you have five kids. You came from a family of four kids. Was mm-hmm. having a big family, was that always part of your plan and something that you dreamed about? It was not necessarily in the plan. I think I was definitely more career oriented. I don't think I, I didn't want to be a mom, but I didn't necessarily plan to have a huge family. (laughs) And for New York standards, it's definitely a huge family. We still get looks on the street. So (laughs) yeah. So it was, it was in the plans to have a family, but I don't know if it was to have it this big necessarily. Well, and you're living in Brooklyn. So I'm assuming you don't live in a big house. Yeah. It's like a two family home apartment building thing. So, Mm -hmm. yep. And not only are you a mom of five, but you homeschool. We do homeschool. Yep. Was that always part of your plan? <laughs> it wasn't, but and I guess we we started talking about it when we were dating. Like if, yeah, it was it was kind of in the plan as soon as I met Moses. I guess that if that makes sense, like it wasn't in my plan, 
but Moses was open to it. He had a mentor who had five kids actually and homeschooled and just like raved about the classical method, which is what we do. And so that's kind of where that came in. Okay. So let's talk about, I know right now I can tell that you're sitting in a church and I asked you about it and you said, this is your church. It's a block away from where you live, which is so awesome. I wish my, <laughs> wish my church was a block from where I lived. And that right now Moses is outside doing, leading a basketball outreach. Can you tell us about, yes. is that like a, just a typical thing that he would do? It is a typical thing. Like, I feel like it's just an out, outpouring of what we used to do with high school ministry, but this is a, a group of girls that um, one of the the coach for the girls is um, someone that Moses grew up with and grew up going to church with. Um, he doesn't currently go to our church, but he just got these girls um, together. They're they're actually younger. I think they they might be in middle school, um, but he just got them together um, to do a, a basketball clinic. And today we're calling it an outreach because we got John Paul who. John Paul Gonzalez, who is the um, the chaplain for the Giants, he's going to come speak to the girls. So we just grabbed some pizza, like the good old days of high school ministry, and <laughs> invited a speaker, and hopefully the gospel goes out. Oh, that's so cool. Is that like a personal connection of yours, this chaplain? Yes. I mean, he's, he's connected through crew. He actually used to um, coach basketball at our alma mater as well. So, yeah. So fun. Um, so you mentioned a little bit about your transition to family life from high school, and I know that's happened in the last year. Can you tell us more about like what kinds of actual things will you be doing as part of that ministry? And I know this is all like we're in a pandemic, so <laughs> you changed. <laughs> maybe you don't even know exactly what you will yeah. be doing, but w tell us more about what that's going to look like. I think for us, just naturally, organically, it'll be mentoring the couples that we know um, that we, there's a lot of ones that through our church and through um, just the, the churches that we're affiliated with. Um, but this is another thing is we started a, an Instagram. Um, it's Big City, Big Family. And we've been able to connect with a lot of young couples there. We're, we're really trying to target like young couples, like millennials, Gen Zers, even, even ones that aren't married, but they're looking for relationship advice. Um, and our, like our dream, we haven't had the time to do this yet, but our dream is to have some kind of like zoom, um, online webinar or something along the, those lines where we could mentor them or just guide them in some way, um, to give them a relationship advice or marriage advice and do maybe even like small groups out of that, um, virtually. Um, so that would be a dream, um, that within the pandemic we could still do is these online small groups. So cool. Okay, so can we follow you on Instagram? Is it just at Big City Big Family? Yes, that's okay. Correct. So follow mm -hmm. Big City Big Family for more about their ministry. And I know this has been this past year has been a hard year for everyone in the world to some extent. But also, you shared a little bit with me for you, Marilette. It's been especially hard for a couple reasons. Can you share more with us? Let's just transition into that story of the past year. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's twofold things. Um, I lost my dad. He had um, a rain, a rare bone marrow um, disorder that, yeah, it just, 
he he I lost him due to complications of that. And then another thing was um, I was hospitalized and I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And so what landed me in the hospital was I had like five days straight of insomnia. I was starting to like have like they call it an, a manic episode. Um, so I was a little bit uh, paranoid and um, like I wasn't even Moses, I, I was kind of like distrustful of Moses, which was just, I was just not myself. And so like, yeah, I went, I went to the hospital um, and yeah, I was there for 10 days. So it was a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have so much empathy just in the area of mental health. When I was in my twenties, I was diagnosed with clinical depression. I tried different meds to get back on track. I eventually learned cognitive behavioral therapy, which for me was a life changer. I know everybody's story is different, Mm -hmm. but, um, so I feel for you. I mean, that (laughs) mental health, and we're recording this during mental health awareness month that won't come out till June, but, um, it's important to tell these stories because so many of us, it is part of our story and Mm -hmm. normalizing it and raising awareness, right? Yep. So what has that been like for you to walk through this with the people that you're doing ministry with, with people in your church and all all during a pandemic? Yeah, I feel like it's just being open about my story has um, made conversations more flow more easily. Like I had I've had literally two girls that I've mentored. They're now in their mid 20s, but I've mentored them since high school and they both have a similar diagnosis as me, to be honest, like they, yeah, I don't want to share their business, but similar diagnosis as me. And I feel like the, the reason why they were so open, like they, when they, by the time they told me they had only told close family, like I've been pretty open with, with anybody, but I know for some people it's a little harder to share it. And I just felt really honored that they would share that with me. So I feel like just it's open conversations. And like you said, it's normalized it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know, you know, a lot of this is sort of latent things that then have come to a head during the most stressful time most of us have ever walked through, right? So maybe Mm -hmm. it was there, but now it's triggered. And I know that's true because my friends who are therapists are overloaded with people trying to get appointments, people who are experiencing all kinds of different mental health. But did, was that true for you? Was it sort of like Definitely the pandemic true. pushed, pushed yes. a button? Yeah, I think for me, it was a lack of self-care. Like I was just going and going um, when, it, when it came to homeschooling, when it came to like even ministry, I was just like, if I, I, you know, I felt capable, then I did it, but I had no boundaries at all. And so, um, yeah. And then I wasn't just taking care of my body physically, you know, especially during the pandemic. I wasn't like going on walks or anything, which is something I do now. Um, but yeah, I think just a lack of self-care, um, you know, take as a minister, taking on other people's burdens and not like unloading those. I think that was something, a mistake that I had. Um, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Like I realized all these things after everything happened, but definitely the stress of the pandemic added to it. I I talk, I spoke about my dad. Like I was worrying, I know I was worrying about him more than I should have, um, taken on. So yeah, it was, it that was definitely the case for me. The pandemic just pushed the button. 
Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing about your story. How, how are you, I know it's been almost a year since you were hospitalized. Looking back now, what perspective do you have and how are you experiencing your bipolar um, diagnosis, <laughs> like one day at a time? Um, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm taking it one day at a time. I'm, I'm realizing how much I need to prioritize self-care. Um, I'm realizing how much like holistic self-care is needed. Like I've, since then I've seen a, um, more of a holistic doctor who recommends like, you know, certain diets. So not, maybe this is too much information, but I'm on a low carb diet now and it's really helped me out a lot because I feel like my mood swings were sometimes just like sugar, sugar highs and sugar lows and things like that. And I'm like, if I can avoid it, I'm going to, you know, I have chocolate once in a while, but I used to like be an emotional eater and it didn't help anything. So um, I think, yeah, just seeing my health as an overall thing um, and seeing my health as a priority, that's just something that I've had a shift in. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's, I'm so glad you brought that up. It's whole person wellness yes. is so important. And it sounds like that's where you're really experiencing healing yes. is a whole person. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've done therapy since then. She's been able to recommend that I only check in with her when I need to. So that's like a big praise report. Um, but another thing that I've noticed that I've prioritized is just time with friends. I think I, I spent a lot of time with people who I was mentoring or just people who needed something from me, but which is fine. But you kind of have to counteract that too with just peers who you don't have to mm -hmm. be on for. And so I've prioritized even just phone calls. Like it's it's really hard during the pandemic to see anybody. And some of my friends live far away, but I feel like I've noticed a difference in like my stress level if I put it in my calendar that I'm going to speak to a friend on this day. Yeah, that's so wise. And I, you know, I've just watched our whole society go through this struggle and watched the way that we've coped and watched like... Um, like I said, therapists who are saying like they like people can't get appointments because mm -hmm. everyone is seeking therapy right now. Um, alcohol sales have gone through the roof yeah. in the past year. Like the the businesses that were thriving the most were like the local liquor store because everyone is just looking for yeah. how do I cope, mm -hmm. you know, with this isolation and this fear, yeah. you know, not to mention just everything political, everything that was just happening yep. and piling on and layering on all these levels exactly. of stress and fear and, and unrest. I know I went to uh, the chiropractor because I have, you know, chronic back issues. So I was at the chiropractor a month or so ago and she worked on my back and I got up and I said something like, is this, I just feel like my back is so bad right now. Is this like the worst back you've ever seen. And she was like, honey, everyone's back is so bad right now. Do you even know? She's just like trying to give me perspective. Yeah. Like this is so hard yeah. on everyone, mm -hmm. but it manifests itself in different ways mm -hmm. in each of us. So yeah. I'm so glad you're on a journey of healing and in such a way that addresses so many different areas of our life, mm -hmm. our relationships, our diet, our 
thoughts are, yeah, mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. So thanks for sharing. You're welcome. <laughs> um, and I know you've written about that journey a little bit a little on your bit. blog. Mm-hmm. Is that right? That's right. Yep. Tell, uh, let's tell listeners the name of your blog so they can follow you there. It's just my name, MarilettSanchez.com. So M-A-R-I-L-E-T-T-E Sanchez.com. Okay. And is this something you'll be writing more about? I will. I think I will be. Yep. Um, so tell us what is next for you? I know, like we said, you're in Brooklyn. Um, you know, we're still coming out of the pandemic. I don't even know what it's like in New York right now. I'm only aware of mm-hmm. <laughs> Oregon and and all, because every state is so different. Mm-hmm. But um, what's summer going to be like for you? What are you guys looking forward to next? Uh, just on a personal front, we're going to go to California and visit my sister. So that's happening next week. So we look forward to that. I feel like in the pandemic, just a change of scenery is so, so healthy. Um, so we look forward to do we. All my kids are coming, so it'll be a trek, but I'm excited for that. Um, We have not even thought too far ahead of what ministry will look like. I'm sure it'll be like organic, like we've done so far. We'll probably do some outreaches at the park or something. Um, Because it's just like in New York, I don't know how it is where you are, but like parks are just a gathering space for community, like not even just kids for everybody because we don't have our own backyards. Mm. And so like, it's just a natural way to meet people. Um, so what we did last week actually as part of our Awana ministry at church, I don't know if you're aware of Awana. Um, so we just, instead of having um, a virtual Awana, which is what we've been doing, we just had like a play thing at the park, but we had some of the neighbor kids join in. So I can picture us doing something like that to, as an outreach to families um, in our neighborhood. So uh, I'm trying to think. I'm sure I'll be writing. Um, I'm working on something for everystudent.com. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it. With It's through Crew, but geared towards like high school students. So it's funny. We're still kind of connected to the high school ministry. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to be – I'm writing something um, on for that soon. So you could look out for that. And can you give us a sneak peek what you're writing about? Yeah, so I'm writing this. I haven't even fully got my thesis together, but um, what what are the barriers that keep, um, especially young people and non Christians from from Christianity? It's kind of a survey of those um, of those points. Like, why would I still believe in Jesus when Christianity has so many problems? That's kind of the working topic. So. Yeah, it's a big it's a big thing that I'm tackling, but I've been just interviewing some of the the Gen Zers that I know just to like get their perspective and to get like what are the conversations you're having with your with your friends um who are not Christians. Um and I've just I've gotten a lot of insight from them. Um it's just yeah, it's a weird feeling when you feel old. Like ministry looks totally different <laughs> now for Gen Zers than like even when I was doing high school ministry. So um, but yeah, that's a topic. Awesome. Okay. Well, we'll look for that, um, sometime this summer yeah, from you on sure. everystudent.com. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. And I love all those outreach ideas, how you guys just go to parks and natural gathering places. We have a middle school that just got built right next door to our, where we live on our cul-de-sac. And, um, 
they built a brand new basketball blacktop with hoop. And at one point during the pandemic, they took down all the hoops in town because they were, they didn't want people congregating. It was really hard and sad for kids because they, the, the last gathering place they had during the pandemic was outside at you know, playing basketball, but Mm. they shut that down too. And so, um, when they built this new basketball blacktop, it became the gathering place Mm -hmm. for everyone in town. And so my, our teenage son would go over and play and he would meet new people from (laughs) all over town Mm -hmm. who he never would have otherwise met because it's, it's where you go, where the people gather. So true. And basketball is one of those things, isn't it? It is. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.